Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful people with the power of your love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God is the true father and mother of natures. We are all bound to God by nature, and we are all bound to God by grace. And this grace is for all the world because it is our precious mother, Christ. For this fair nature was prepared by Christ for the honor and nobility of all and for the joy and bliss of salvation. Julian of Norwich, England, around the year 1395. Happy Mother's Day. Today is a day that we honor those who have given us life. We remember those whom we call mother, and those who have nurtured us in a motherly way. But as a community... We also offer our support to our family and friends who find this day difficult, for whatever reason. Our aim is to offer honor and respect for those who have served as mothers to us. And so again I say, Happy Mother's Day. Today is for you. Julian of Norwich called Christ Mother as she was ascribing in the late Middle Ages attributes of Christ's nurture and guidance of our hearts. Instead of using imagery like that of Christ the Good Shepherd, Julian uses the imagery of a mother, our spiritual mother. A mother who takes us to a place where all can find joy and bliss, fulfillment, and ultimately unconditional, never-ending love. This Sunday and last Sunday reiterate the theme about Christ calling his followers into places where the love never ends. Last week, Jesus used analogies about sheep and shepherds, and while we were, we were able to hear these teachings in a way that make us imagine being cared for lovingly, Other times we don't get it. There are cultural implications that just simply get lost. After all, the main theme of John's gospel is for the reader to experience Jesus Christ, to see, hear, and believe so that we can be drawn closer to the very heart of God. John's gospel is all about drawing nearer to true love. Today's gospel, again from John, uses, analogy, uses an analogy of a home, precisely the house of faith, God's house, with many rooms, a place Jesus goes to prepare a place for you. We hear this reading many times at funerals. But outside of funerals, we also hear part of the passage that we hear in today's reading, We hear it on the street, sometimes in a rather combative tone. We hear, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I have to tell you 
This passage is one that people in our day seem to like to use as a weapon to attack other people for their unbelief or for religious differences or somehow to show who is in and who is out. After all, the Bible is completely clear on this, right? In 1942, C.S. Lewis took a stab at this rather boldly in a radio broadcast. And he said this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says that he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. One approach. I admire C.S. Lewis. I agree with his conclusions about Jesus that he concludes at the end. But I don't agree with how he got there. I think he might be missing the point. The Bible, as a compilation of sacred writings written in different time frames, in different time periods, is often in conversation with itself. Sacred text requires us to ask things like, what is God actually trying to say to us in this passage? How is this drawing us closer to God's love? How is Jesus inviting us in? And so with all of those lenses, we need to examine this text. Jesus claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. And I, for one, will give Jesus credit for that because I believe that to be true with all my heart. But I don't buy the modern-day argument from some traditions of Christianity that if you're not 100% sold on this, then you're damned to hell for all eternity. And here's why. When you enter an exploration of how the Bible has conversations with itself, you see episodes of things like this. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, Jesus is transfigured. Then he heals a boy who is disabled. And then he walks with his disciples from one place on the Sea of Galilee to the town of Capernaum. And on the way, Jesus discovers that on his walk there with the disciples, the disciples are arguing about themselves who is the greatest. Very disappointing. Sadly, in Mark's gospel, the disciples almost never really get it. Okay, so then in Matthew chapter 20, we have the mother of James and John boldly and directly asking Jesus to put her boys in charge and so that they can sit at his right hand and at his left in the hereafter. And Jesus says, 
this request is not his to grant, which then the story right again tells us that the other 10 disciples get really angry. And Jesus goes on to say about two paragraphs later that putting the brothers in charge would lead to tyranny of the worst kind. So Matthew's gospel. Now, even St. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, writes this. It has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, which means is that each of you says things like, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Once again, conflict, pettiness, division, disputes. All of this is to say that Christians from a very early age were placing their belonging, their status in the kingdom of God, either on themselves or on some other kind of group leader, maybe one of the disciples, or some other kind of identity other than the one they find in Jesus. John's gospel was written after Mark, was written after Matthew, even after the first letter to the Corinthians. John was written later. So maybe what John is trying to say in this passage very firmly is don't argue among yourselves. Don't try to focus on who's better than who, what sin so-and-so has done that you haven't done, what Christian club or group leader you belong to, belong instead to Jesus and get to know his heart. Let him show you the way to lead you into the fullest life, the fullest truth, the fullest joy imaginable. Let Jesus take you to God's heart. John is trying to get his audience to refocus, to realign their priorities, to not get so distracted on who is getting the master's suite in God's house of faith with many rooms. Just focus on Jesus. He really is truly enough. If anyone ever boxes you in a corner, boxes you in a corner and tries to challenge your beliefs on this passage, I want you to do something. I want you to dig deep and to think about the ways that God has led you into a new life, into a new insight of truth, into a new experience of joy, maybe even a new way to love. That's the risen Christ working in your life. That is your response back to the person. It will be personal. It will be authentic. It will be your response from you. And it will be absolutely in line with the teaching we receive today. Jesus wants us to have abundant life and to live in the abundance of God's love. We belong to Jesus. Today there's a great invitation there's an invitation to trust Jesus and to go on this journey with him into the ways of truth, into the ways of life. Jesus invites you to walk along his path so that your thoughts 
start mirroring some of his thoughts. So that your actions of loving everybody with the fullness of Christ's wisdom and grace, so that your actions begin to reveal the true love of God to all who are around you. Your life starts becoming a liturgy, a great work, a masterpiece of revealing God's glory to others. You seek ways to belong to Christ, and you in turn become the greatest blessing to others, greater than you've ever imagined. We partner with Jesus to offer God's grace to all parts of the world, not just our parts of the world, but all parts of the world. We take on properties of God's fatherly and motherly nature, the God who is our spiritual guide, maternal in nature and paternal in nature, all qualities of love, unconditional love, revealed continuously to us by the risen Lord. We're given these spiritual gifts by Jesus to walk down the way for the honor and nobility of all, to walk into truth for the joy and bliss of salvation, to walk into a real life of love that's greater than anything we can imagine. Today, there's a great invitation. Let Jesus take you to God's heart.